There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Welcome to the Health Essentials Podcast, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. I'm your host, Deanna Poverels. Now, we typically think of the holidays as a time for family and celebration, but for many senior adults, it can actually be a very lonely time. And that's especially true this year, as the COVID-19 pandemic has required all of us to put some extra space between ourselves to slow the spread of the disease. So what can we do to include our senior relatives in our holiday celebrations this year and stay connected with them year-round? Geriatric physician, Dr. Kathleen Rogers is here to help. Hi, Dr. Rogers, thanks for joining us today. Hi, thank you for the opportunity. And to our viewers and listeners, just a reminder that this is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace your own physician's advice. It's also been pre-recorded and may not reflect any changes to COVID-19 precautions or recommendations that have been made after the recording. So Dr. Rogers, since the start of the pandemic, we've heard that seniors have been considered among the most vulnerable to COVID-19. And I just wanted to ask, why is that? As we age, our systems also age. And a lot of times they have other diseases that are all, your body's focusing on, like diabetes, high blood pressure, um, if you had a stroke and heart disease. And add to that COVID, um, so you have limited resources in your body, in an already aging body, uh, to fight the disease. So that's why the elderly are usually at higher risk for COVID um, and other diseases, um, seasonal diseases like the flu and things like that. <clears throat> so I think we talk about seniors or the elderly really as one age group being at increased risk, but is there, are there different levels of risk based on you know, some of the things you mentioned like pre-existing conditions, but also you know, living conditions or you know, age specific ages? So yes, um, the short answer is yes. Uh, the long answer is as you age, obviously, so do all your systems and your ability to fight off infections and your ability to do things also age. So your memory, uh, for example, your ability to handle finances, maybe driving, execute functions that are um, complicated uh, may also be affected. So um, it is really important to make sure that you're on top of things and, you know, talk to your doctor uh, or provider uh, regularly to make sure that this is, you know, well taken care of and you're uh, at least getting ahead of, you know, the aging effects, so to, so to speak. Um, living arrangements you mentioned, um, and yes, you know, if you're all by yourself and you don't have help, you don't have social engagement, um, you know, family members to really talk with. Um, a lot of times that can create the isolation and that further causes decline because a lot of times if you don't have things to do, you're sitting down and that in turn um, causes further cognitive or memory decline and just overall health uh, to decline. So it, it really depends. It's a case-by-case -case scenario. Okay, so as we're thinking about whether it's safe to see our elderly relatives this holiday season uh, with COVID-19 spreading, you know, pretty rapidly in our communities, what are some of the factors that we should all be considering? 
That's a very good question. Um, a lot of people by now already have COVID fatigue, which means not related to the disease. It's just tired of hearing of, about COVID. But the truth is, it's still a reality. It's still going around. And there are a lot of people that are now this flu season that are getting affected by it. Um, <clears throat> With the elderly being more at risk, it would be ideal to uh, try to stay away from them, even if you don't have COVID symptoms. If you're, you know, sick otherwise, like a, you know, a stomach bug, or you have other uh, upper respiratory symptoms that are mild, uh, sometimes, um, you know, uh, that can manifest more severe in an elderly person if it's transmitted. Uh, even if you're COVID negative and you do want to go see your family, it's ideal to make sure that you uh, practice safe distancing in the home, make sure you practice hand hygiene, you know, even wear a mask yeah, when you're with your loved one, you want to do whatever you can do to protect them um, against this. And I mean, you kind of alluded to this, but I mean, the balance between the risk and the potential benefit of seeing someone, you know, it can be really challenging to think about, right? Because of course, we want to keep our elderly relatives safe. Um, but I mean, you already mentioned, have there been negative effects of this kind of need to physical distance and stay home on our seniors' health and well-being? Yes, there has. Um, as human beings, we are people who are relational. We are people who like uh, relationships, and you know, some of us that that touch and you know, with our family members. Um, and when we are isolated this way, even when we're in a, in the same room and we can't even give each other a hug or a handshake, and you know, and say, "Hey, I really missed you." that's tough. That's really tough. And that can also have effects on your mental health, you know, that can also cause some anxiety, some depression, because touch is healing um, in the end. But with this virus, I think it's really important to understand the perspective as well. Um, um, and if you do have anxieties and depression and feeling lonely despite having family members in the same room uh, and you're isolating from them, it's, it's important to recognize that and talk with your provider because that might be an underlying sign of something deeper that needs to be diagnosed and you need further treatment for. So then does that become a unique issue for, for our elderly populations? Are they uniquely affected by that in a different way or how can that um, kind of isolation negatively affect well, them? Well, that's a great question. Um, the elderly, at least this group of uh, the population, they are a retired group if they held a job for a long period of time. So when you're working, you have um, you know, guaranteed time and you have a good routine and schedules that you go off of. Um, but once you retire that the routine kind of goes out the window, you like to do whatever you want, you know, you sleep longer or sleep later. Um, you know, you don't really have routines for yourself and your family. So a lot of times that's when you start noticing some of the issues like anxiety or memory issues. Um, and then add to that the isolation from the pandemic. So that relationship, that we you know talked about before uh, you don't have that social engagement like you'd like to go out with your friends you know for a weekly dinner or play golf for example um so that relationship affects your mental health. So not only your physical, uh, um, you know, activities where you're you're staying active, uh, but also your mental health, and they both play off of each other. So for example, um, you know, if we have someone who loves to go out and you know um, do yoga once a week, and that's where 
the the person sees his or her friends now with the pandemic you're not going to be able to do that it's going to affect your mental function and that can cause anxiety it can cause depression and believe it or not these two anxiety and depression can worsen isolation and worsen underlying memory issues or even cause memory issues and memory issues in itself can worsen anxiety and depression it's almost like a vicious cycle so the isolation and loneliness can cause you know, a lack of brain stimulation and therefore completely worsen your overall health. Okay, so I've seen some people saying, well, you know, this could be our last holiday together with our elderly relatives, so we absolutely should be physically together. And uh, what's your take on that line of thinking? Well, obviously, it's a case-by-case -case basis. Uh, with the number of COVID cases going up, we always want to, you know, err on the side of caution. Um, and if it truly is, you know, if your loved one is, uh, this is their last holiday, you may never see them again, then you may want to rethink seeing them. Obviously, you want to go see them, but you also want to take uh cautionary steps when you see them. Um, you want to practice, you know, things like we talked about, mask up, hand hygiene, just, you know, make sure you exercise those cautions. Um, some places will offer um, COVID testing. So when you go see your terminal loved ones, um, that if you're negative, that would, you know, at least help um, with that. So if a family decides that, you know, it's not safe to see my, my parents or grandparents this holiday season, that can be a heartbreaking decision to make. And then to have to say, you know, to that relative, we're not going to be spending the holidays with you. Is there any way to make that less painful? Well, well, yes, <laughs> it is going to be painful as it is. But uh, I think in this event, that's where technology and assistive devices that way through technology would help. You also, you know, if your loved one is not technology savvy, you may want to use a telephone and you may want to call often. Uh, some of the patients that I see, um, you know, they actually do activities together online. So for example, they'll join a book club where they and their, you know, loved ones will actually choose a chapter and at the end of the week, they come together online. They can see each other and they can have a book party where they talk about the chapters that they read and, you know, maybe sip on wine and have dinner, you know, online. Um, or other activities such as, you know, learning a new hobby together or uh, you can dance on video as well, you know, in your living room. So there are a lot of things you can try. Yeah, and kind of on that note, you know, so much of our connectedness is based around technology, like you mentioned, but, you know, for seniors who find that to be really challenging or maybe don't have help in setting things up, are there any low-tech ideas for staying connected or being involved in, in the holidays this year? I think, um, yes, I cannot emphasize using the telephone, you know, enough. Um, you can call your loved one two, three times a day if, if they're willing and you're willing, obviously. There are many services out there that will also help seniors set up a basic connection in their home, um, whatever their provider might be, internet provider. I'm sure a lot of loved ones will be more than willing to help with that as well. Um, there are many video assistive devices too that offer seniors help to help set them up at home. So I would ask them to look into these services with their family members or friends um, and even their just local providers, uh, internet providers, telephone providers. There are many phone services that also offer video assisted uh, technology just for seniors uh, specific, specifically. So um, that just looking into that I think would be helpful. And are there options for seniors who are either visual or hearing impaired as well? 
Yes, there are. Uh, but again, that would be um, basically what their um, provider would. Um, I know with for hearing assisted technology, there are a lot of options. Now there's amplification where you can actually put devices in your ear and use your phone or a, a, a you know a tablet to kind of um, change the volume on there to help with um, specific, you know, if you if you want to just listen to the phone call and minimize background noise, there are amplification devices that can do that. For vision, um, I would advise to look at your local vision um, department. You know, there might be a blind society that offers technology specifically for people who can't see, um, who want to talk to their loved ones or friends and family. And are there community groups or organizations, I think you mentioned a few, that are doing things to help seniors stay connected? And is there anything that those of us, even if we maybe don't have elderly relatives, can do to kind of reach out to this group? Well, yes, there is. And it really depends on what type of, you know, medically, if you do have a um, a diagnosis of memory issues, or if you have Alzheimer's disease, for example, there is a local Alzheimer's uh, disease chapter that you can reach out to, and they have a lot of resources. In fact, they know I know some of the um, cha local chapters also offer caregiver groups. You know, so um, if you have caregiver burden, you can you know get into that. A lot of um, counties also at this time do a lot of activities online and even with the telephone they do telephone conference calls um, you know and they also offer free uh, food and maybe some activities where you can get a free uh, you know book um, some counties also have grants where they will also provide tablets for the seniors through the grant so I would suggest talking to your department your county department to see what activities that they have um, where senior centers now are closed, I think a lot of them have gone virtual and a lot of them have actually gone on the phone. Uh, and they're getting pretty, pretty creative with this, uh, with this, with activities. So uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, they also offer where um, these activities could include loved uh, ones, like your family, your spouses, your children, uh, which makes it just a wholesome activity. Yeah, great. So if we are deciding to see elderly relatives this holiday season, either virtually or in person, how can we know that we are, that they are handling, um, you know, this whole pandemic experience well, and are there certain warning signs we should be looking for in our relatives? That's a very good question, especially now with the pandemic and the isolation. Without seeing, you know, our loved ones in person, it is hard to say over the phone, you know, because they might sound great over the phone. Um, some of the red flags, if you do see them in person, are, you know, um, they have lost weight. Maybe they're not cooking as much because they're bored. That might be a sign of depression or anxiety. Um, their house is not really kept up when they used to keep it clean. You know, all the dishes are done. There's food in the fridge um, and you know it's it's not as bright as it used to be they've lost interest in keeping that they've lost interest in hobbies you know just basic hobbies that they like to do at home maybe crafting or you know knitting things like that um, and you're forgetting to pay bills. Um, that's a big red flag for memory, especially memory disorders um, that need early attention. Um, and if, if you notice some bruises, maybe they've fallen. Um, and um, 
you know, they, especially if there's dents on the car and maybe they've had issues with remembering how to drive if they're gotten lost. Um, there are a lot of things like that, that, you know, you could kind of see um, in just conversation and just observation. Another thing I would recommend is, you know, if your loved one seems to ask the same questions over and over again, um, take note of that. Um, and then, you know, feel free to ask them some more questions, you know, hey, mom, dad, or grandma, grandpa, you know, how are you doing? Are you okay? Do you feel anxious in any way? Are you feeling bored or lonely or isolated? Because sometimes this might be, a, you know, just a red herring where if you get it early um, and you have them bring it to their attention, maybe they might just realize like, hey, yes, I, I haven't been feeling great for a while. Um, and, you know, a lot of times with the pandemic, we don't, we do, um, you know, don't go into the provider's offices like we used to and everything is virtual there as well. This might beg into question to see their primary care provider in person. And that might show a difference, you know, in how they're in their upkeep and just in general, their health. So with the best step, if we do notice any of those behaviors to, you know, suggest that they do see their provider? Yes, and also engage other family members who um, may have also noticed uh, things like that. Oftentimes, um, when I see patients, um, you know, it usually starts with one sibling or a friend who would call the other and say, hey, I've kind of noticed this about mom, about dad, and they'll be saying the same thing. Yes, you know what, I've noticed this too, but I really never thought, gave it much thought. And that kind of also forms a support system because everybody's on the same page, especially if there's a diagnosis that could be uh, occurring soon. This will give you an idea, at least to the family, as to, okay, this is happening. How can we prepare? What are the resources that we need? How can we plan forward? And these are all important questions. Okay. And then are there things we can be doing to make sure that our elderly relatives are not just staying healthy and well, but also safe if we're not going to be there, you know, to check on them as often as usual? Yes, um, this is a question I get a lot with my patients, especially with uh, uh, family members that live across state lines. Um, one of the most popular, um, I would say, choices that families tend to use are, um, you know, um, the um, video doorbells, uh, especially when you have scammers or people coming to the front door, um, you know, having a, um, you know, loved one on the phone bill so they can sort of make sure that they're, they're not being scammed, you know, by people who just call and say, hey, your grandson is in jail, you got to pay us thousands of dollars, you know, these are real cases that happen. Um, another thing is, you know, just checking on them uh, regularly throughout the day to make sure they're okay. Um, some families choose to put, um, you know, know, uh, a little video monitor in their home where, you know, they can just call in and it kind of opens a window to the patient's or loved one's home and they can sort of see the surroundings, see everything okay, you know, especially if there's motion in front of the camera, for example, like a baby monitor. Um, they can use um, also there are many apps that you can use on the phone um, that will help connect you via video um, and you can sort of look in, in into their surroundings that way as well. Great those are great tips and is there anything else we haven't covered yet that you would like to leave our viewers and our listeners with? Um, it's just important not to be fearful during the season. I know it's taken a lot 
You know, this has been one of the hardest years in a long time, and it can take a toll on so many people, young and old. But my advice would be, you know, try to enjoy whatever you can enjoy, you know, especially during the holidays safely. Try to, you know, use your observational skills for your loved one and, you know, always be an open communication channel because that really helps your elderly loved one feel connected, even if it's virtually and on the phone. Um, and, um, you know, just enjoy the holidays together as much as you can. Um, don't live out of fear. Just, you know, um, take it one step at a time. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time and for taking all of those questions. And for the latest updates on the coronavirus pandemic, please visit clevelandclinic.org slash coronavirus. You can also hear more interviews with our Cleveland Clinic experts by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts or visiting clevelandclinic.org slash HE podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cleveland Clinic for more health tips, news, and information. Thanks for joining us. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.